We're going to be picking up uh, the next in our series. We're going through a little series, uh, Hope, a Church in the Heart of the City. We're working through our values as a church. We're preaching into them. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to uh, be focusing on the issue of community. Our desire here is to build a grace-filled community of Jesus followers, bringing good news to Winchester and beyond. Our values at Hope are built around three words, and uh, you will see that they are culture, community, good news. And uh, within those circles that you can see, the red circle, last few weeks we've been talking about creating culture. We've been talked about, uh, last week we were looking at being Christ-centered. Um, the week before, Terry Virgo was here, was talking about what it means to be grace-filled. Uh, we've been talking about word and spirit. This is all about how we worship God. It's about the culture that we create here in the church. And uh, this week, we're starting to pick up the whole thing of building community. And in a few weeks' time, we'll be talking about communicating good news. These are our values. And, and as those three things overlap, there's a point in the middle which uh, is, is, if you like, is the sweet spot. It's where all three are working together. And that's where we, as a church, are going to be at our most effective So it's all about uh, culture, community, and communication. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to be a church that's a community. We're looking at the community inside the church. After Easter, just after Easter, we'll be looking at what it means to be a community in the roads that we live in and the people that we mix with. John Stott says this, The church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. And so this morning we're going to read some verses together from the book of Acts that talk about this new community. And uh, Acts chapter 2, there are two passages from the beginning of Acts And then we're going to be reading uh, towards the end of Acts chapter 2. So this is what they say. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They devoted themselves. This is Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves... This is a crowd of them, about several thousand have, got saved, have come to Christ, started following Jesus, put their trust in Jesus, and they start to meet together. And it says about uh, this early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The story of the Bible is of God creating a new people, his people. God has always existed. He is one, he's one God, and yet he is three distinct persons at the same time. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is eternally content and fulfilled. He has no need or lack Yet, out of his great love, God wanted to create a people in his own image who could experience his love and share being in community with him, Father, Son, and Spirit. We are all created for community. It's an eternal mystery that the God who created the heavens and the earth wants to share himself with us, wants us to enjoy relationship and fellowship and community with him. And yet, sadly, we're the ones that spoil the party. We're the ones that rejected his grace. We wanted a world without him at the center. And in the Old Testament, we see mankind trying to create a community without God. At a time when everyone spoke the same language. People gathered on the plain of Shina, we're told, which is modern-day Babylonia in Iraq, to build a city with a tower in order to make a name for themselves, we're told, and so that they wouldn't be scattered over the face of the whole earth. People were scattering and These people said, no, we don't want to scatter. We want to create a community. But they didn't want God at the center of their community. They wanted to build a tower, an edifice to their own greatness. And God, seeing their arrogance, we're told in the book of Genesis, confuses the language of the whole world. And this incident is referred to as the Tower of Babel. And in Hebrew, the word Babel... uh, it sounds, like, it sounds like the Hebrew word for confusion. God confused their languages. Communication is so important, and when we can't communicate with each other, it just becomes confusing. Many years ago, uh, Annette, when our children were younger, we had two visitors come over from Russia and stay with us. Oleg was uh, from the North Caucasus, from a place called Armavir, uh, and, and Vladimir was, uh, was from Sochi. And uh, they came and stayed with us, and the problem was uh, they didn't speak a word of English. And um, I, don't speak, I don't speak any Russian at all. Um, they, they were much better at, at adapting to that than me, but I'm trying to communicate with them. And um, so my method of communication um, was uh, we played essentially, it was Pictionary. Now, I'm not very good at Pictionary. And so this one morning, uh, we're planning to take them out. And uh, so I want to tell them what we're going to be doing. So I draw 
at this picture of a boat with a stick man standing in it. So I'm trying to communicate that we're going to go on and, and, uh, and we're going to go uh, see this boat. We're going to go on a boat. I think, they're probably thinking Southampton. They're thinking it's the home. It's where the Cunard line. Uh, uh, it's, they're thinking Titanic. Um, they're probably, that's where their heads are. I'm taking them to the Hamble Ferry. <laughs> this little pink boat that you can get 12 people in. They think that, I think that's where they think they're probably going. So when we get there, they are, they are, they looking bemused, staggered as we go on this little pink boat for about 20 seconds to cross to Warsash on the other side of the hammer and then go, go for a little walk and then get back on it and come back again. They've probably gone back home to uh, the North Caucasus and to Sochi and they're probably telling people, I, I tell you, Southampton, Boats Harbour, don't bother, it's not worth going to see, really not worth it. Communication is, is really, really important. You see, God was so desperate to have a community where he was at the center. And ever after, God has sought to draw us to himself. We, we've tried to keep him out, but he's looking to draw us back into community with him. And yet, the, the, the issue is this, is God's community is one that's marked by righteousness and justice. His throne is established on righteousness and justice, we're told in Psalm 89. God is both loving and just. He can't ignore our rebellion and remain just. And so God solved the problem himself because there was nothing that we could do about it. And he became a man just like us. God's son, Jesus, God the son, was perfect, became a man, was perfect, never sinned, never did anything wrong, lived perfectly in obedience to God. And he willingly took our punishment on the cross. God punished him instead of us. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus deserved no punishment at all. He'd never done anything wrong. But he willingly took our punishment so that God might be able to invite us through Jesus into fellowship, into community with him, in relationship with him. God has made it possible through trusting in Jesus to be part of this new community. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2 verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. We're a community. We're a community here at Hope Church, centered around Christ. Paul talks about it in Corinthians as being like a body where Jesus is the head and we're the parts. And all of us together are part of the body. And we're all equally important. We all have a role to play. We all have a part to play being in this community. We're all vitally important to what's going on in the life of his church. We are inextricably linked to him and to each other. What does it mean to be part of God's church? Well, first of all, we're a community with distinctive birthmarks. Distinctive birthmarks. When my son was born, uh, Joe uh, was a big baby. He was, uh, he was 10 uh, pounds, 9 and a half ounces. He came out with a knife and fork. He, he was just a big baby. But one of the things, so he came out and he was like, he was like a wrestler, 
But on his foot temple, he had this whacking great big strawberry. But he looked like he'd been fighting from the, you know, from the moment he came out. So whenever we took him anywhere, it was a little... They're, they're all... You could see mothers walking by going, parents, look what they're hitting their child. You know. And he had this whacking great big red bar. And he had it for a couple of years. Really distinctive mark. And then eventually the strawberry mark disappeared. The early church... They were distinctive birthmarks. We're told that on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost came, this was uh, the moment that the church started, where it was fully revealed. It's an appointed moment. It's a, a moment where God unveils his plan to create a community in Christ. The Holy Spirit is poured out on Jesus' followers and pandemonium breaks out. There's a sound like the sound of a violent wind and what appears to be tongues of fire rest on each person. Looks like they're on fire. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in other languages. Sound, it's incredible sound. What you heard this morning, where Andy brought that tongue, that was a a tongue, and then we heard an an interpretation of that. It's a little like that, but it it was just a cacophony of sound. There was this wind, and then suddenly there are people speaking in, shouting the praises of God in all sorts of languages. Some of them, uh, in, some of them known to the people around, and some of them not. These people couldn't speak those languages. They were unschooled, uneducated people. It was a miracle. It was an incredible moment. And a multitude of people with little in common from over 14 ethnic groups all miraculously heard the wonders of God being spoken and declared in their own language. And it was in that moment that God was reversing the curse of Babel and communicating, breaking back in. God was restoring community. He was saying, this is it. This is the moment. This is the appointed time. My community which had been there in shadows through the Old Testament, suddenly, gloriously, finally revealed the church in Jesus Christ. The church has distinctive birthmarks or beliefs. You see, up until then, these, the people that are listening, these thousands of people, they are... Uh, they are held together by unbelief. You see, we're, as a church, we're a community held together by belief. But actually, if you're not part of the church, you are part of a, a loosely affiliated community of people that are held together by unbelief. And it's a really loose affiliation because most people don't have anything in common with others. And these people uh, didn't have anything much in common. They didn't have a similar language. They came from different cultures and they'd gathered together on the day of Pentecost. They were the one thing they had in common. They were all God-fearers. But there were lots of things that they, uh, they wouldn't have agreed about. And when we read through the book of Acts, we read that those who are opposed to Jesus, they're, they're part of a loosely held community of unbelief. And so you, you find the Sanhedrin, you find the rulers of the day, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they join together to oppose Jesus and the message of the gospel, the message about Jesus. They join together. 
They've got nothing in common. In fact, most of the time they row when they're together. The Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. The Pharisees do. And there's a moment when Paul is is before the Sanhedrin, these two groups, and it's not going well. And and Paul says, I'm being accused here. I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. And uh, I'm being accused uh, because of my belief in the resurrection from the dead. And suddenly the whole Sanhedrin falls apart. They were all against him. And suddenly they're in fighting, fighting against one another. But this is a a community that is loosely held together by unbelief. We read in in the Gospels, we read about Pilate and Herod. We read they've got nothing in common. They can't stand each other. But there's a moment when uh, Pilate is, 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 is questioning Jesus and he doesn't know what to do with him. So he thinks, oh, you're from Galilee, I'll send you off to Herod. And it says about them that at that day, Herod and Pilate became friends, linked together in their unbelief because they won't put their trust in Christ. That's not the community that we are to be part of. We're a community that's held together by four things, four distinctive marks. The first one is this, repentance. Repentance marks us as a community. It means turning around, going in another direction. It's a change of mind, a change of heart. It's much more than sorry and remorse. Oh, I'm sorry. Half the time we're sorry because we got caught out. We're feeling sorry for ourselves. Oh, blow, poor old me. That's not repentance. Repentance is principally towards God. And you read about David. David who commits adultery. And uh, he's found out. And uh, he's done all sorts of things. He's lied. He's had his wife, his, uh, the, the, the partners, uh, Bathsheba's husband, she, he's had him killed. He's engineered it. He's destroyed a family. He's destroyed the trust of a nation. He has let so many people down. And he says in Psalm 51, which is his, his, a psalm of repentance, he says, he says, against you only have I sinned. Had he let other, others down? Of course he had. But he said principally repentance is towards God. I have offended the God of heaven. God forgive me. Repentance is principally towards God. It's recognizing God is right and I am wrong. Repentance is something that we live out every day of our lives. It should mark us as a community. We should be parents who, when we get things wrong with our children, and we do, we should be the, we should be the ones going to them, showing them the way of repentance, saying, I'm really sorry, I didn't get that right. The other week, I rang my son up because I felt I'd not handled the situation. I'd been a bit grumpy with him. So I phoned him up and I, just want to, I said, son, I just want to say, I'm sorry I didn't handle that very well. Repentance should mark us. Should mark us in the workplace, in our homes, in our relationships. We should be those quick to put things right. distinctive birthmark of repentance. Second one is faith. Faith is believing what God says in the Bible. 
Without faith, we're told in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God. We're saved by faith. And, and faith is more than just believing a series of facts about Jesus. It is personally trusting Jesus to save us. We are justified by faith. That's a legal term. What it means is that God, because of our trusting in Jesus, God legally wipes away our sin. We're justified by trusting in him because it's Jesus who paid the price for us. We personally put our trust in Jesus. The third one is baptism. As Peter preaches on that day, we didn't read it, but he, it, he talks about that, that you've put the prince of life, you've, you've killed God's son. You were the ones who put him on the cross. And it says they were cut, the crowd were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And they say, what shall we do? And Peter says this to them. Be baptized, every one of you. He didn't say, be baptized if you feel like it. He didn't say, be baptized. Well, he said, be baptized, every one of you. Baptism just simply means, it's an all everyday Greek word, it, it just meant to be soaked or immersed in water in the name of Jesus as a sign that you were follow, uh, following him. It was a sign to anyone watching and to every power and principality that you now belong to Christ. You are in Christ and God has covered you in him. That's all baptism means and yet it's a huge battleground in our day. It's a huge battleground. The devil fights for this as much as for anything else. Delay, procrastination. People put off getting baptized. We're baptizing, in fact, we've got a baptism, baptism next Sunday on Easter Sunday morning. But for people, it, it becomes a real issue. Procrastination, oh, I'll, I'll put it off, maybe... And, and then there's anxiety and fear and all sorts of things that, that come to play. Not being good enough. I'm, I'm not good enough to get, be baptized. You'll never be good enough. You're not getting baptized because you're good enough. You're getting baptized because he's already good enough for you. And I just want to say to you, if you need to be baptized, get baptized next Sunday. Come and speak to us then. Speak to us at the connect point at the end of the meeting. Come and get baptized. Just do it. Just do it. And the, the fourth birthmark is baptism in the Spirit. Peter told them on the day that if they turned to Christ, that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, the promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. This is a conscious experience. If we're baptized, if we're soaked in the Spirit, you know. If you're soaked in water, you know all about it. If you're full of the Spirit, if you're soaked in the Holy Spirit, you know it. It's supposed to be a continuing experience. Paul tells the Ephesians, be filled. What he means is be filled and go on being filled with the Spirit every day. God wants us to be those who are filled with the Spirit. Jesus himself said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And by that he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you with the Spirit. He wants to mark you with the Spirit. And he wants it to be something that's continuous. Like repentance is a continuous process. So being filled with the Spirit. God wants you to be full of the Spirit. There was, uh, uh, Jonathan and Fran were, were praying with someone not so long ago. And they just got filled with the Spirit in the moment and started speaking in tongues. 
They weren't even praying about it. God moves. God wants us to mark us with his spirit. There is a distinctive birthmark. Secondly, and this is, this is going to be really quick on this, there are new values. And in these verses at the end of Acts, we see the new values of the early church. We've been covering these in recent weeks. And so just very quickly, you know, in verse 42 of chapter 2, it talks about, about the word. They were devoted to the apostle teaching. The word comes first. We believe what the Bible says and we apply it to our lives. The Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles' teaching in Ephesians 2 verse 20. Why? Why do we put so much weight on it? It's because they were eyewitnesses of Jesus. We weren't. They were. They were eyewitnesses. They saw him. They were with him. They listened to him. They saw what he did. And so they said, we are eyewitnesses of what we have seen and heard. They are transmitting something through the ages, through the, the, the letters of this book that are profound and deep. Christianity is not a philosophy that gets talked about and changed and shaped and, 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 and just as we talk about it in clever minds together, oh, what about this idea and we add to it and whatever, that's not Christianity. Christianity is about Jesus Christ, what he came to do, what he said, and, and what he's done on the cross for us. And these early disciples, they saw him, they walked with him. That's why we read the book of Acts, and we believe it's the word of God to us today, because it transmits something to us that is profound and deep. That's why we're a church that focus on the word. The word comes first. But people are important. Our fellowship, our knitting together is important, our common sharing together. But it's based on the word of God. The word of God underpins it all. Jesus is central. They broke bread together. All the time they were breaking bread. We're going to be breaking bread on Good Friday morning at 10 o'clock. But it's because Jesus is central. Jesus is at the center of our worship. And prayer naturally springs out of a people who have these values. Our fellowship provokes prayer. When Jesus is center, we can't help but pray because he, we know he is the answer to all our needs. New values. But finally, our new values should be seen inauthentic behavior. And I want to spend a, a little bit more time on this. You see, authentic simply means genuine. I don't know about you, but in our house we have, uh, when my mum died, uh, my sister and I, uh, uh, we went through and she said, oh, I'd quite like that, and things that my mum and dad had had. And uh, there were loads of bits of crystal, crystal glass, and uh, so I've got bits of crystal glass. Now, I know there are people here who love, uh, I know Will Bradshaw's into crystal and Phil Hanks is into glass and, and whatever. But there's a difference between uh, just ordinary glass and crystal, lead crystal. You see, when crystal is struck, when you, when you knock it and tap it, there's, there's, a, 
there's like a musical ring to it. It's one of the ways you can tell the difference. It acts as a, a crystal, cut glass crystal acts as a prism. So when you hold it to the light, it refracts the light. So as the white light enters, it refracts it and out comes the colors of the rainbow. It's heavier than glass. When you hold a similar size bit of crystal to, to a, a piece of ordinary glass, a similar size, the crystal's heavier. You can tell the difference. You can tell that it's genuine. These are the marks of it being genuine. So what are the marks of authenticity of the church? The first one is this, togetherness. Authentic community is marked by togetherness. A commitment to one another. This sort of unity is precious to God. We read in Psalm 131. And and when God finds this, this sort of unity, this sort of togetherness, this authenticity, God can't help but bless it. Authentic crystal. I tell you, when you heat a crystal, a cut glass crystal, and you heat glass, the, the glass is more likely, because when you try to bend it, it's more likely to break. The lead crystal under heat is more malleable. It's just the way the molecules work together. It's more malleable, and, and so it's easier for it to stay together when it's under pressure and being molded. You see, our togetherness is not a random joining together. It's based on our beliefs and values. Consequently, when the heat is on, we stick together. We stand up for each other. Often the reason, often the reason that people who we think are with us and suddenly they disappear, something, there's pressure, heat's on, suddenly they disappear. Often the reason is that they've never really got our values in their heart. They like coming along, but they never really got the values. They were never really knitted in at a heart level. You see, when the temperature goes up in church life, we find out whether we're really genuinely part of the community or not. It's a community that's marked by repentance. So when we have difficulties, we repent. We put ourselves right with each other. We're a people filled with the Spirit, Christ-centered. We work stuff through. I was so encouraged with my daughter and son-in-law. had a little tricky moment with an issue. And I was so encouraged, but the way they just stuck it out. They felt really fed up, but they stuck it out. They didn't handle it all perfectly, but they stuck it out and they pressed through in the little church plant that they're part of. Because togetherness is about getting the similar values. We're we're part of this. We're here. We're here for the duration unless God calls me elsewhere. You see, authenticity in followers of Jesus, this togetherness is noticeable in the same way. it's It's a weighty thing. It feels weightier. So when people come through the door, they they feel it. They they feel the genuineness. Someone was telling me, uh, last week about someone who was here for the first time. They came and they said, they just said, we, I've been put off church in the past, but I, I could tell there was something real. They were talking, they, was, they sensed the genuineness. They felt the weightiness. They've, they've, they've picked stuff up before and gone, oh, I'm not sure. They came and they went, 
oh, wow, that, that feels, that's, that's generally something different, something different. We genuinely want to be together. In the early church, they met together in the temple. They broke bread in each other's homes. They met informally. For us, we do it Sunday by Sunday. We have small groups, community groups. We meet together informally. We gather. We like being together. The writer of Hebrews exhorts us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let me encourage you this morning. If you've just started coming along or if you're on the fringe of hope, come on in close and get connected. We saw some people here this morning who are coming in and getting connected. Who are buying into our our DNA. Togetherness. Quickly, the second thing, they had everything in common. Authentic Christianity is marked by remarkable generosity. You see, when I talked about crystal, mark of crystal, authentic cut glass crystals, when you shine white light through it, out of it acts as a prism, and out of it comes the colors of the rainbow red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. I used to remember it in school. Richard of York gained battles in vain. That's how I remembered it. Colors of the rainbow come out, it's authentic. Jesus is the light of the world. When we allow his light to shine into us, it should provide a beautiful array of generosity. Authentic church is marked by generosity. And as I look across the Hope community, I see a beautiful spectrum of generosity from people willing to share their time, their home, their possessions their money, their encouragement, and their energy with others. And they do it because they're authentic followers of Jesus Christ. A light has shone into their hearts, and they are joyfully expressing the new life that they have in him through generosity. There are unsung heroes amongst us here this morning who on Sunday gather people around a kitchen table with hospitality because That is the way that they express their having everything in common. Others have are incredibly generous with their money, their homes, or their businesses. I had, I tell you, last week I had a, I just had a letter from one of the youth. It was, it was a beautiful letter. It's anonymous, saying, "I just, I feel basically, I feel God wants me to give this money to the building project." I feel God spoke to me when you were preaching. I just love being part of this church. Thank you for all you do. It's from a young person. I tell you, that is a young person who has got our values. It's got the grace of God. Some have talents and skills that they gladly share. There are stories. I won't mention any names, but there's, there was someone in the church who was having work done in their house. And someone they didn't know turned up and just helped them. I think it was about for a week, just came regularly to help them. Hadn't asked for it, but just because they could do something. They knew they had a need and they were willing to give up their time to help. That is, that is having everything in common. Others are great encouragers when 
People are struggling with fear and anxiety, doubts, fears, sadness, depression. They're the ones who steadfastly stand alongside and pray, encourage and strengthen. The writer Max Lucado says, a wrong understanding of community can make hermits out of us, driving us into hiding. Yet the cave has no answers. Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw to many. When you interlock your understanding with mine and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess and pray, Christ speaks. Jesus put it like this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Everything in common. And the final little thing is they had glad and sincere hearts. You see, when genuine crystal is struck, it gives off a musical ring. Glass doesn't in the same way. That's how you can tell it's authentic. You know, Life doesn't go swimmingly. Every now and again, we get knocks. And I know numbers of you have been experiencing knocks recently. Crystal, when hit, it doesn't play a song. But there's something unexpectedly melodious about the response. When authentic believers get hit... We don't worship God pretending nothing has happened yet. In the midst of the struggle, the sadness, and the tears, there's a sound of worship that resonates from deep within their soul. The same is true in church life. When someone who's part of our community here dies and passes on to be with the Lord, we're sad. And yet amidst the sadness, there is a ring of worship because we are certain of where they have gone. In the midst of difficulties that we face, a song of praise does start to rise in our hearts towards God. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it sums it up beautifully. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms... And there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. What about you? Do you struggle with authenticity? Are you the real deal? Do you need to revisit these values and find out where the gap is for you? Maybe it's part of your birthmarks missing. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's being filled with the Spirit. Maybe it's an issue of repentance. Maybe it's about some of those values. Maybe it's 
knowing that you've not spent much time in the Word, that the Word doesn't have, isn't a huge priority, hasn't been a huge priority for you. Maybe it's prayer, maybe it's fellowship, maybe you like coming on Sunday, but getting connected in any other way is it's more of a battle for you. You see, we have distinct, as a community, we have distinct birthmarks, repentance, faith in Christ, baptism, baptism in the Spirit. They are our distinct birthmarks. We have new values. We're a people of word and spirit. We're Christ-centered, grace-filled worshipers. New values. And we want to be a people of authentic behavior who genuinely live out of what we believe. That is the DNA of Hope Church. It was said of the early church that their community life, though far from perfect, was nevertheless sufficiently different and impressive to attract not notice, to invite curiosity, and to inspire discipleship in an age that was as pleasure-conscious, as materialistic, and as devoid of serious purpose as our own. God has called us to be community together, to be his community, him at the center. He's called us to be distinct. He's called us to stand out. He's called us to have new values, and he's called us to be a people who are authentic, genuine followers of Christ. And God knows that we need to work on some of that. God knows that it's not easy for us. He understands, and so he has given us his spirit to help us. He's given us his word to give us instruction, but he's given us each other to help each other along the way. That is community. That is the church. I'm going to ask the musicians to come out. We're going to just celebrate who we are in Christ. We're just going to worship him. We're going to put him at the center. Because we're a Christ-centered community. So let's stand together. And maybe if you know that there's stuff that you've got to put right, maybe there are issues of, uh, in terms of the birthmark that you need to put right. Maybe it's about baptism. Maybe it's about getting baptized. Maybe you just know, oh, I need to be filled with the Spirit. We'll have a team of people who'll be ready to pray with you. Maybe there's some stuff that you're battling with. You want someone to stand with you. We'll have a team who'll pray with you down here at the front. Maybe you want to, today, you think, actually, you've come along, you think, actually, I want to be part of this community. That's the sort of community I want to I live for. That's, I'm hearing something that makes my heart sing. I want to I be part of that community. You can be part of that community today. You can give your life to Jesus Christ. You can come into God's household, the family of God. And we'd love to pray. I'd love to pray with you if you want to take that first step this morning. Maybe it's about just you need to go away and soak in our values again. Get into the Word. Read the Word. Spend time praying. Worship Him. Focus on Jesus. Maybe you know you've been battling with authenticity. You know, actually... Togetherness, I feel a little out on the fringe. Come on, 
Come close. Come in closer. Come on, be knitted in. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know, this, whether this is my home. Come on, come on, get knitted in with us. Can we be part of this community?